My name is Ian Boswell. I was a world tour professional cyclist for seven years. Skyrider from the USA is a fighter. Well, Ian Boswell is turning up the cranks. Also the host of this fine podcast, Breakfast with Boz, being served by Wahoo. Breakfast with Boz podcast dives into the world of endurance sports, whether it's cycling, multi-sport, running, anything that inspires us to get out and move, we cover right here on Breakfast with Boz. Let's get cooking on Breakfast with Boz. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. I'm your host, Ian Boswell. I am at my computer now, but about two minutes ago, I just finished up my breakfast this morning. It's something I've been wanting to cook for a while now for breakfast. I've been through a lot of recipes through the course of this podcast, and I think this is a new one, and that is some tofu pancakes. I used to make tofu pancakes quite a bit back in 2010 when I was living out in Chico, California in a very broke, uh, poor bike racer and I would go buy the cheapest box pancake mix I could find. I would crack in an egg and I would put in some, probably like half a container of tofu, whisk that together and whip up some pancakes. And I do remember them being tasty and delicious. So I made those again this morning. I did not have any boxed pancake mix. So I kind of improvised and didn't follow any recipe, but just mixed together some white whole wheat flour, some leavening agent, some salt, olive oil, maple syrup. Uh, I did throw in an egg and then some tofu. Whisk that up, make sure you break down all the tofu and made some, what I thought, pretty delicious pancakes. I think I've said it on this podcast before. I'm not a fan of dry pancakes. It's also why I usually don't like cupcakes. Um, I will eat them, but they're not my preferred dessert, and dry pancakes are not my preferred breakfast. But they were very moist uh, throughout. My wife said she enjoyed them, that she couldn't even taste the tofu, so that's probably a good sign. If you are interested in making some tofu pancakes, I'm sure you can find a recipe online. Um, I said one of the easiest ways is just to get a boxed pancake mix recipe or boxed pancakes and maybe add a little bit less moisture, milk or water, whatever it calls for and substitute that for a little bit of tofu that is mashed up in the bowl. So with that, we're back into the regular cadence of breakfast with Boz. we got an episode right here for you. And then going forward, I'll be back to an episode every two weeks This episode is somewhat timely given the fact that the Ironman Kona, the World Championships of Ironman, just finished a week and a half ago, and I had the chance a couple days ago to speak to a good friend and a podium finisher at the Kona Ironman, Heather Jackson. She's been one of the most prominent American triathletes for, goodness, the last decade and a half. Um, Heather grew up here in New England. She's been a guest on the podcast before. And I wanted to just hear about the energy, the excitement, and kind of what it was like this year at Kona, but also I kind of wanted to share what Heather is up to. She had planned on doing her last Ironman Kona way back in 2020, and the pandemic kind of postponed that. And so this was the first year she had gone back to Kona since 2019 with the kind of knowledge and and foresight that this would most likely be her last Kona, probably not her last triathlon, maybe her last Ironman. Um, So I wanted to get Heather's thoughts on that and what it was like to have had such a long and successful career in Ironman. It's not really a retirement interview because Heather has 
things that she's planning for the future. And we'll get into that. Um, Heather's a great personality. She's an awesome gal and she's one heck of an athlete. I've had numerous opportunities to ride and train with her back in Boulder in 2020. And this year, a couple of days prior to Unbound 200, she joined me for a, a longer recon ride with her husband, Wadi, following us in their sprinter van. At one point, he almost got uh, the van stuck in in a field, but he's a skilled driver and he's always capturing some cool content and photos and yeah, an amazing uh, support person behind Heather and her entire career. And I'm sure they will continue to be a good team as she transitions into some new things. So without further ado, let's dive in to this week's episode with my guest and friend, Heather Jackson. All right, Heather Jackson, you look like, uh, well, I know you're still in Hawaii. Um, it's actually pretty pretty early out there still, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's 7 a.m. out here, so uh, still early. We have been a little bit, I think, tamer than past years the last few nights uh, here in Kona, I would say, because usually I feel like all racers are on one night, and then the next two, three nights after, everyone's just out, and it was definitely a little bit different this year. We had a two-day format, so the women raced on Thursday. So we've been done now for three or four nights. So we've actually been in bed kind of early the last <laughs> couple nights. Yeah, I've never, I've never been out to Kona, but I've heard that there's usually a pretty big party after. I mean, I guess for most for most athletes, that's kind of the end of the season. That's like the big target, and anyone who's been yeah. an endurance athlete knows that you're just like itching to to let loose once the season's over. <laughs> exactly yeah totally they've had the like that i think the last three nights last night probably was the biggest we're assuming we didn't make it out to the uh the the main part which they had the award ceremony usually ends around 9 nine thirty. so probably got really going after that <laughs> well i guess there's there's multiple things i want to talk to you about i mean one is for listeners who haven't yet picked up your your you have been an ironman athlete for goodness like 15 years now yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, 15 years as a professional triathlete. So Yeah, and, um, you know, but you've also dabbled in some, you did Unbound this year, which we haven't really spoken about, we can dive into. But, I mean, I guess a couple years ago, we first, I think you were first on the podcast in 2020. We were in, we were in Boulder together, and we were kind of doing the first Wahoo Frontiers team camp or kind of gathering. Um, but that was pre-pandemic. And, you know, I've seen you a couple of times since then, but that's kind of changed a lot of, I guess, for a lot of people over the last couple of years, but for yourself in particular, I guess, when we go back to 2020, you were thinking about, you know, maybe I'll do triathlon for a couple more years and then maybe I'll, you know, try some gravel and some endurance running. But because the fact that Kona and being, you know, the Kona triathlon and world championships is such a big marquee event in the world of triathlon, you know, you wanted to go back there and you know, just do it one more time. And you've been, you know, a podium finisher. You've done phenomenal there. Um, well, I guess what's the journey been like since, I guess, when we first spoke in February 2020 until now? I mean, with, with the thoughts of, you know, maybe coming into gravel, doing different stuff. And, you know, now we're two and a half years later. And, you know, you're finally at Kona doing the Ironman World Championships again. Yeah, it's been, yeah, that's so crazy to think back on. Wadi and I were talking about it the other day because I feel like, these last two to three years have just been an absolute whirlwind and an absolute just like, yeah, it's like time was frozen, but it also flew by because once, um, yeah, 2020, when I spoke with you the first time on this, um, COVID hadn't hit yet. I think it was literally like weeks before. 
And in my mind then, I thought maybe 2020 would be my final Kona back then. Um, I had started um, riding a gravel bike a lot as my kind of endurance aerobic rides. I loved getting outside. I just, I love it. I love getting into the woods. Um, I think it fits more just, yeah, how I like to get outside and, and yeah, ride my bike. And so for me, I already had these thoughts of maybe transitioning into some other activities. I had raced Kona um, since 2015, where I got fifth, I got third the next year, I got fourth the next year, I had a rough year in 18, um, ended up 14th. And then in 19, I was able to get back into the top five with a fifth. So in 2020, going into 2020, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give it one more year, the highest level. Um, and then try to explore some of these other amazing things out there. And then COVID hit and it was like, oh no, now what? Like, I didn't want to just walk away from Kona, um, having put so much of my life into it for 15 years, ever since I graduated college, um, I have been in the sport of triathlon. So, um, 2020, but was then almost the opposite though, because I got, on my gravel bike the whole year. 2020 for me was absolutely amazing. Um, my husband, Wadi and I, we bought a sprinter van. We literally, we had two friends we were quarantining with, um, Paula Finley and Eric Lagerstrom. Um, we literally were down in the Tucson area. We started going down to Patagonia, Arizona and just camping for weeks at a time, uh, riding gravel, um, doing all these things that I had had on my bucket list. And I think with COVID, it just made it be like, well, how much longer am I going to keep saying to myself, oh, yeah, I'll do that eventually. Oh, yeah, I'll get to that. And I think that was the biggest thing for me for COVID. It made me be like, I don't want to say like, oh, yeah, I'll do that one day. Um, so, yeah, I got through 2020. And then 2021 was back to trying to get to that high high performance level in triathlon. But I had still in the back of my mind just had all the adventures and gravel riding and in my mind from 2020. So it had been kind of a tough year. Kona got canceled again in 2021. So finally, yeah, at the end of last year, I was just like, hey, I'm going to try the the gravel stuff, some new adventures, some new things, despite still trying to to go after Kona one more time. So, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a weird, I guess, couple of years, but um, amazing nonetheless because of all the new things I've got to experience, really trying to finally make that um, – yeah, I guess jump or transition or, um, yeah, still working on what to call it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess let's stay on, on Kona for a minute. Um, you know, I guess what is it about the event out there that is so captivating? I guess I almost, I almost kind of compare it to like Olympic swimming in a sense. Like I, I don't follow swimming at all, but when the Olympics are on, I'll watch swimming on TV and I get super into it. And it's the same with, with Kona, you know, I don't, I follow triathlon, you know, kind of on the periphery and I follow, you know, a lot of athletes online but I don't necessarily watch races. Sometimes I'll tune into results. But with Kona, I was like, I mean, it was pretty late here on, I guess when the women were racing on, was it Friday? Um, Friday or Saturday of this past week. And, you know, I was up at like 9.30 p.m., like just on my computer watching <laughs> Kona, which is like, you know, something I don't normally do. But like, there's something about certain events. And I think, you know, the world championships for Ironman is is one of them. You know, is it is it the energy? Is it the history of the event? I mean, for you, what was the reason of like, I need to go back to do, Ironman Kona, you know, you've done other Ironman since, you know, since 2020, but like to go back to Kona, is there, what makes this event or that event so special for a triathlete? 
Yeah, exactly. Kona is just its own thing. And especially the people who have never done it before. It's, it's hard to describe. It's, it's an Ironman, which people race Ironmans all over the world all year long. But with Kona, you have so many other factors. You have um, the conditions, which uh, this year was, yeah, pretty, pretty mild, I would say. It's always hot. You cannot avoid that. So if you can race in the heat, if you can prep that, that brings a whole new element in for people prepping to race it at the highest level. You have to be ready to race hard in heat and humidity. Um, and even if you do prep for that, you never know how it's going to go on race day. So that brings not only your preparation, swimming, biking, and running the fastest you can into it, but also dealing with those conditions. With Kona 2, it's the one event that everyone shows up to at the highest level. And so you can have those crazy upsets out there because you have the people going in as the favorites or maybe those those favored or have done well in the past, but um, everyone is there with their A game. They've prepped for months for this. And then like we had this year, just anyone can show up and perform on the day. And so to have everyone, I guess, peaking at their athletic performance um, on the one day, it's just, you can have just the highest level of racing, I guess. So that's why Kona is just, yeah, we had some crazy results this year of just first timers performing so well, which is very, very unusual, but just, yeah, you never know on this race day, other races, you can kind of predict a a little bit more, I think. And so that's why Kona is so special. Well, and as I guess we can most likely say here is your last probably Kona as a professional triathlete. Who knows, maybe in 10 years you'll want to come back and, and do it again for some odd reason. But, you know, how was your day out there? And I guess, was there a sense of, you know, during the day that like, this is the last time? And was, is that is that emotional in like a sad way? Or is it like extra energy to be like, all right, I'm feeling horrible right now, but like, I know this is the last time I'm running through the, whatever, the power station or whatever it's yeah. called. <laughs> totally. Oh my God, I had all the emotion. It was, yeah. It was crazy out there for me. Just I didn't have the smoothest lead in, unfortunately. I think um, I got a little something on the plane over. So I had I was fully congested, like sinus something for about three days leading in. I thought I would be fine, clear it out. So I knew I was already like, if you're out, just, you know, something's off just a little bit. It's going to just be exponential on race day. And unfortunately, yeah. I had that, no excuses. It was still, okay, it's time to perform. Um, I had a a rough swim, which is standard here, but now with the level of racing for women, um, there's so many more top girls that can swim, bike, run. That means that if you're out alone, which I was solo the whole day, um, and you're not with groups, I mean, now we have groups of women riding together, three, four, five people, so that affects it. so I was out there alone, just going through all the thoughts in my head, like, just keep pushing. This is your last one. Give it all. Respect the island. Like, just, yeah, this is this may, this is the last time you're going to be out here on the Queen K racing at the highest level. You get to be here at the World Championships on this course. And so many people would give anything to be there. So I was going through all of that, um, I guess, on the bike. The run is just, yeah. Agonizing, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah. you, I mean, I guess you were able to enjoy it. I mean, there was a there was a sense of not nostalgia, but like you were able to actually like go through the process of being like, "Hey, I'm here." And like, yeah, at some point, I saw that you know, Wadi, your husband was at the just near the finish, and you, you tried to do like a running hug, which is always <laughs> awkward. Um, totally. But I mean, was there a sense of like you know, not closing the chapter on this point of your career, but and a sense of like, "Hey, also you you got to go there and you got to finish," which you know, of course, as someone who's finished on the podium 
you always want to be up there again, but to be like, Hey, you know what? Like I did the best I could given the circumstances and like knowing also that if you wanted to go back next year and try to do it again, you know, it may not be the same experience. You may, you know, be injured and may not be able to finish and like, Hey, this was the best that could have happened given everything that, you know, you experienced running up into it and, you know, kind of the two year hiatus of, of, you know, thinking it was going to be your last Ironman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What you just said. I just, I soaked it all in. I just knew, okay, I'm doing it. I'm here. It's not ideally how I would have wanted to end it, but, um, it's, yeah, I I literally took it all in and was like, I, I actually felt, I didn't know how I would feel. I felt pretty at peace with it. I was like, okay, kind of an end of an era, not only for myself, but I think the generate, there are actually quite a few, I guess, Ironman athletes kind of either moving on or retiring or transitioning uh, this this year. And it's it's pretty funny how it's almost like a new class of athletes coming in, a new new generation. And I felt very at peace with, okay, I, I feel like I gave it my all at this race at the highest level in this sport. And um, yeah, the ending wasn't ideal, but I, I said my goodbyes out there. So I felt okay. <laughs> well, and I, I mentioned earlier that you did go to Unbound this year. You also went to Gravel Worlds. Um, we actually did a recon ride of the first, I don't know, 40 miles of Unbound, I guess a couple of days prior. Um, so I guess I kind of want to ask like, so what is what is next? I mean, you're, you're making this transition away from, from Ironman. Are you still planning on doing some triathlons or is it more gravel events, maybe some ultra running events, marathons. What's, what's next for Heather Jackson back to ice hockey. We're going to see you in the yeah. new England <laughs> ice hockey league. Exactly. I'm going back to Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> Visit you. Get out on the ponds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, my, my plan is, uh, I just absolutely, the few gravel events I've been at this year, I absolutely loved it. Um, my plan is to go, yeah, full board with the gravel season as well as, yeah, ideally throw in um, a few of the, the trail running events. Um, I feel very fortunate that I'm still partnered with Hoka, who is very big in the trail running world. And they're so supportive of kind of this full adventure season of getting out on the gravel, racing a lot of those events, um, throwing in some trail running. Um, we, we've talked about maybe putting a triathlon or two still on the calendar just to stay with the triathlete community, um, that's a big uh, part of my just supporters, fan base, and getting out at some of the events that have been um, part of my life for so long. So maybe back to like a Placid, uh, Ironman Lake Placid um, for listeners. That's one of the big ones in North America. So uh, racing or not, maybe just to be at a few of the events. But yeah, the, the primary goal and focus for 2022 will be gravel racing for sure. <laughs> and I guess not just like going to participate you actually want to go and like compete in these events i mean i guess let's make let's make it clear that like you know you i I mean this year at unbound you were sitting in second position until mile like 160 or something um at which point you had a a gnarly flat tire but i mean you're i mean you're i guess you're still competitive and you know you can still be competitive so come into the space of like hey there's some i mean i think it's funny when people look at like who makes the transition to gravel because it's such a new sport. Like who's the best, who are the best athletes to come into it? Is it, you know, retired pro riders or ex road riders? Is it mountain bikers? I'm like, well, actually triathletes are the ones that are pretty used to racing for 10 hours. Like they've got the nutrition <laughs> dialed, their body can handle that, you know, that volume. So I guess I'm right in saying like, you want to come back and see what you can do at, at some of these big gravel events in particular. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I feel, um, 
we're we're going to treat Unbound like we've always treated Kona. So that will be the main big event. So that will become my, yeah, main focus. Um, so early June shifts the season a little bit for me. Usually uh, <laughs> October is always the focus. So, I mean, Unbound is the big one for me that we went this year and I was just blown away. It felt like Kona 10 years ago to me. I just, and that distance, like you're saying, um, for me, it was around 10 hours this year total race time that was it felt like a standard day of racing so i think that some of those longer gravel events there's a couple more i'm i'm kind of targeting as the key ones that's yeah we will approach it the same way we have kona so <laughs> well and when you i mean i guess you know this year you did do unbound but you also did you know still went to kona i mean i guess i'm curious from a training perspective and for other you know triathletes who maybe are looking at doing some gravel do you feel like these events are also good to throw into your schedule too i mean you look at you know from june to october it's a long time to continue to train hard but do you feel like an event like unbound was actually beneficial in your kind of build up towards kona oh yeah it's so crazy i look back and like all the I also did so I did Unbound, um, and then that I did an Oregon Trail stage race. Yeah, um, and that was like five straight days of hard riding. Um, and then I also threw in Gravel Worlds in August, which was 150 miles, 152 miles. So, at, for me, I thought it was amazing training. Not only are you um, riding hard, and but you're out there with other people, which is not normal for triathlon training. It's usually okay. Get on your TT bike, head down, like six by 30 minute efforts versus you get to do the same sort of work with people having fun, enjoying it. Even you're still suffering and pushing yourself. But for me, I, I've told all all my triathlete friends, like throw some of these in as a big training weekend, because a lot of them, too, are over not necessarily. Well, some of them over distance, but usually over time, um, lo meaning longer um, then you're going to race an Ironman bike leg at because you're obviously going so much faster on a TT bike with very aero wheels. So it's it's overtraining in terms of time. And so when you get to your Ironman, the bike leg feels short. So yeah. after Gravel Worlds in August, that was, I think, an eight-hour day. All the training rides I did were five hours, six hours. They felt short. So that yeah. mentally was huge. It was it was awesome. <laughs> well, and I, and I actually, um, Eric Lagerstrom sent me an email today asking me about some gravel events next year. And, you know, he's a, also a pro triathlete who's, you know, kind of still in the middle of his career, I would say. Um, but he's like, probably, I, mean, I know you two are friends. So he's probably like, hey, Heather did these sweet gravel events, but also still <laughs> went to Kona and, and performed well. Maybe he should do that. And, you know, I guess something else I wanted to ask, you know, we've seen Xterra, which is an off-road triathlon, you know, with a open water swim, a mountain bike race, and a trail run. Um, but I know that Jan Ferdino, I guess two years ago, started a, a gravel yeah. triathlon. So it's on a gravel bike. Is that something you think could like become more common in the future? So not necessarily an Xterra, but like a gravel, right. gravel. ride in the middle. And I guess maybe there are more uh, out there I just don't know of, but is that something that would be of interest as well? Oh my God, 100%. That would be yeah, huge. The fact that he started that, um, Wadi, my husband, has talked for years about getting one of those going. He wants to try to start one in Bend and or Tucson, Patagonia area. I know Eric himself has wanted to get one going. So hopefully that grabs people and the momentum continues with that. And there are more events like that out there because I think, um, yeah, people would love it. It's kind of more that festival feel, getting off road. You're also off busy roads. Um, and just a, a little bit different dynamic on the bike being on a gravel instead of head down with the TT bars. But yeah, that would be, um, something I would, I would probably hop into if more of those popped up for sure. <laughs> well, 
Well, and I guess I want to get back to something you'd mentioned that going to Unbound this year felt like Kona 10 years ago. Has the environment at Kona changed in the last 10 years? Um, or is it just refreshing to go to Unbound? Because I've been having a lot of conversations recently with people about how gravel has changed. Um, and I've only been doing it for two right. years. So I'm just curious <laughs> to see, like, you know, what about Kona 10 years ago felt like Unbound this year? Yeah, I think it's probably very similar in the shift. And I can only speak from my, my um, obviously, view of being here in Kona for over 10 years um, that it has shifted. So I think it's more that there are more and more people that race Ironman. It's much more mainstream. A lot of people do them now every week, not every weekend, but just it's so mainstream now that I think it's lost maybe a little bit of that kind of grassrootsy feel where people are just like so excited to be here at the event and they're walking around the expo and um, talking with everyone and everyone's just so like have that like yeah excited energy yeah yeah exactly and now it's just not not just another race Kona's still special but you don't have that anymore and when we went to Unbound everyone was like oh my god what's ahead because there were so many new people who had never done it before or first timers or people doing the hundred or even the shorter ones that we're so nervous because it's it's so new and there are fewer events and people are just kind of getting going with it but they're not it's not like they're I was speaking to a lady yesterday. I think she's 65. It was her like 72nd Ironman wow. that she finished here. And I'm like, oh my God. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that, that raises a good point because I, I mean, I assume this year at Unbound, you know, the event has been around for, was this the 10th or 11th year of it? Um, but it's really gained a lot of, you know, notoriety and, you know, attention over the last maybe five years. But I would say this year at the start line, I would say probably like, over 50% of the people, it was their first time doing it. And I'm sure that's how Kona was 10 years ago. It's like, you know, maybe people had done one other triathlon to qualify for Kona. But right. for a lot of people, that was their first time experiencing that. Um, right. And and probably similar to Ironman and, and an event like Unbound, 10 years ago, it was such a big accomplishment just to finish. You know, like for a lot of people, they show up at the start line and they're like, am I going to be able to finish? Like I, it's 10 or 15 or 18 hours like it's almost like a human feat to just cross the finish line but as human performance has become more competitive it's not about who can finish it's about like okay how fast can you go can you break a course record can you go you know this year we did you know an hour and a half less than last year's time at unbound it's like holy what are we going to do next year you know it just it keeps (laughs) pushing the envelope of you know and there's more expectation on performance rather than just accomplishment i would feel Oh my God, exactly. That's exactly the same here in Kona with, it used to be people were just so ecstatic to be here because they actually qualified for Kona, like, which was the feat in itself. It wasn't even the race here. And now most people here, it's, you know, their fifth, sixth, seventh Kona. And it's more about, oh, like everyone's talking about, okay, every race they've had there versus the fact that it used to be, yeah, just to get there, get here was the big thing. So it's definitely shifted. And I think, yeah, going back to Unbound this or going to Unbound this year was, it was so refreshing. It was so fun. I mean, I was one of those people that was a first timer, not knowing what to expect at all, like so nervous. So like, oh my God, like I finally had that again. And I go to Ironman races now and I've done it for so long that it's like, here we go again. Yeah. Like same thing versus like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that that is the cool thing. And, you know, I guess if I went to an Ironman, I'd probably feel the same. Like, am I going to drown? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) 
Um, you know, and I guess as you probably think <laughs> mentally now a little bit about like, you know, how your life will change and your training will change over the coming, you know, I guess, what is it? Nine months now between now and, and unbound. Is there anything you're looking at giving up? Like, I guess in the weeks and months leading up to Kona, were there workouts that you're like, okay, I only have five of these left or only have, you know, like whether it's a, sw- <laughs> is a swim workout, is it a run workout? I mean, I assume that your least favorite thing would be swimming of, of the three <laughs> disciplines. <laughs> exactly. I mean, will you continue to swim or is it like, were you still, is there still something about swimming that you would do or is it like, cool, I've done that. Like I can just ride my bike and run and call yeah. it good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever swim again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny now that I don't have to swim. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, it's actually really good for recovery, even if you do a massive training day, biking or running, um, just to kick the legs out. And I I have always seen the benefit in that. It's more just that high performance level of swimming where I'm doing, you know, 100 meter repeats hard on a tight interval. And I've been doing the same for 15 years and haven't been able to really just figure that out. And that's what's been so frustrating for me in the water. And so to not have to do that and to be able to... um, yeah, I guess kind of give up, pass on that and put that time and energy into riding is what I'm most excited about because the swimming aspect of triathlon, I think is the hardest. It really limits of like, you have, okay, let's go right here. Let's go check out this area. Oh wait, there's no pool. I can't be out of the pool for a week or, um, oh, I can't skip this master swim workout every morning at 5am. So it really dictates your day versus now I can put all my energy towards uh, being the best, um, I guess, cycling and also, um, I'll keep up with the running, but I love running. So it's, it's not a struggle for me to get out the door for that. It's more planning your entire day and training schedule around swim sessions. Yeah. Well, I guess when you look like around the U S at least, and I'm sure it's same globally, you tend to have these like pockets of triathletes. And I know like, you know, kind of the Tucson area is one, you know, there's some in Bend, Boulder, Mm -hmm. but they're all places that you know, you can kind of ride and run anywhere, but you can't really right. swim anywhere with like, you know, an elite group or with a coach or a master's program, like you were saying. So like it kind of consolidates of where you can actually go to do a training camp. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're a strong swimmer, maybe you could get away with it. You can go to the pool alone and rip out a, a 6k workout fine. But yeah, for most triathletes, it is kind of the weakest link for many who didn't grow up swimming. So it, you need those groups and it does limit you and it limits yeah, all the other things you can be doing, like um, different, yeah, the things I'm most excited about and looking forward to next year, like training camps or cycling blocks and in, in new places, exploring new areas. So, Well, and I guess, you know, not to reflect on the past, but, you know, I guess the question that I always get asked, you know, I guess I got asked when I first left the world tour racing on the road was like, you know, what was your proudest moment? Or what was your best memory? you know, thinking that you're probably not going to do another full length Ironman or, you know, maybe you will, but maybe with a different mindset of going back to Lake Placid for fun, an event that you've won multiple times. Is there a highlight of your best memory in, in Ironman? Ooh, in Ironman. Um, it's tough not to say getting on the podium, um, in Kona, that would have been 2016. I ended up third place. I was in second place, most of the day, um, Miranda Carfrey went on. Um, she got second that year, actually. I was thinking she caught Daniela. But um, in the moment, like, you don't realize what's going on. Like, it's that year, I was just running along the Queen K Highway, like, oh, my God, cool, I'm in second. Like, it's not 
it's crazy when you look back on a career or back on moments that in that moment, like it was crazy to think of now, but it's, yeah, it's tough to beat that. Like, I guess watching yesterday, we watched the men race and Sam Laidlow, who ended up second on the day, like he was a rookie, he's 23 years old, but that may, yesterday he got second place. That may be his best that he'll finish. And in that moment yesterday, that was everything. Like, it's hard to describe. That's not coming out clear, but it's... No, it makes sense. I mean, when in that moment you you associate like, okay, well, he's 23, he can come back and he can win or right. he can win five. But like in that moment, it's hard to realize like this may be the best you ever are. And I guess that's like the yeah. thought I have when I look <laughs> back at my professional road career. You know, I've done well in gravel, but it's a different style of fitness. It's a different, you know, I'm definitely not like... I look back at like, you know, the 2018 Tour de France and I'm like, I w- will never again be as fit as I was then, <laughs> which is like crazy. You know, like, you know, I posted a picture the other day of my dad in Kona, you know, at nine in 84. And I'm like, wow, like he looks so much different now. And it's like, you know, as being a, an elite athlete, I think it's hard to like realize that like you're kind of just going not downhill, but like you're, you may <laughs> never be again as fit as, I mean, for your, for you, for example, like. Yeah. You may never again be as fit in these three sports again as you are, you know, three days okay. ago at Kona, which is like a hard thing to let go when it's been your life for so long. Exactly. Exactly. It's so crazy when you think about it, because in the moment you're living it. And then it's more when you take that moment to pause and reflect and look back. It's like, wow, that was crazy what we were doing then and how things were going. So, yeah, the third was the third was really amazing for me just looking back to be on a podium at the world championships pretty cool i think some of my biggest ironman memories are at ironman lake placid just because that place holds so much of my heart i grew up playing ice hockey there at the olympic training center so to win there a couple of times has been huge just finishing on the ice skating oval there so i love that race and it will always go down as i guess besides kona my favorite (laughs) Well, and, you know, you are still in, you still are on the big island. Um, I think you're heading back to the mainland soon. What are your plans for the winter? Are you going to, I know you have a place in Bend where I used to live and then down in, in Tucson. And I know you love, you know, skiing and snowboarding in the winter. Are you also, have a, do you have a bit more freedom now to like enjoy winter? You don't need to start training necessarily <laughs> in, you know, January or February at the same level you were this year to like enjoy kind of being a, you know, a more rounded athlete now as well. Yeah, I'm t- yeah, if, exactly. For sure. I'm really looking forward to the winter. I love winter and winter sports. Obviously I grew up, I grew up playing ice hockey and skiing in New Hampshire. So to be able to get back to bend um, and do a little bit of snowboarding, but also just work in a lot of skate skiing this winter. Um, I've done that before just with four triathlon, but I think it really translates to the cycling. So um, I'll really use a lot of skate skiing December, January timeframe um, for that leg strength and kind of base work, I guess. Um, before we will head back down to Tucson. For me, I think um, one of the big things that I'm not used to with the gravel racing is the kind of change in speed stuff and going out just all out like at the start of races settling in and responding to different groups that go i don't have i'm so used to just time trialing at one pace and so in the few that i've done this year it's you need to be able to have that reaction time and one of the big things um down in tucson is the shoot at saturday shootout ride so to get and they also have a tuesday group ride thursday group ride and there are a lot of like sophia lives down there and keegan so there's a group down there that i've spoken with her and she's like you just need to come on the saturday group ride like that's 
you learn how to ride group the group tactics, ride wheels, respond as people attack. So for me, that's going to be a huge, huge learning curve. Um, and to get back down to Tucson, probably January, end of January or February to kind of work that in um, is one of the big, I think, <laughs> things I need to definitely do. <laughs> well, I may be giving you and Wadi a call. I am tentatively signed up for a big mountain bike race. Um, and I have not mountain biked in a long time. So I was actually speaking to Russell a couple of weeks ago and, and Keegan. I was like, hey, guys, like, is it possible that I can maybe come down to Tucson in like January or February to like ride mountain bikes with you just to learn, learn the ropes? Um, oh, so if, awesome. if I do, I'll let you know and we could, we could get together for, for some rides and, and do the shootout, which is a ride that I've never done, but I've heard great things about. Yes, that would be so awesome. We have plenty of room. So you are always welcome. And yeah, I'm actually, once we're done recording here, I actually am going to go for a run. I've been doing my uh, traditional off-season running. Yeah. Um, I was like, everyone's fired up about Kona. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's funny because I think a couple of years ago we had talked about, maybe it was 2020, we had, you talked about maybe doing Unbound. And I, I kind of, off the record, maybe I was on a yeah. podcast, like <laughs> challenge you to a 10K run race after Unbound. Exactly. Um, at the time I was not running at all. So it would have been a very slow walk, but I mean, having done unbound this year, do you think that a 10 K run is even possible? I mean, I don't, I've never ran off the bike, so I have no idea what it feels like, but having done it this year, do you think that a run like that off unbound is even physically possible or are you just too <laughs> cooked at the end of it? Yeah. Well, I actually did a runoff of Gravel Worlds this year, but that was only did 150 you? miles. Wow. I did. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I probably, I, I wonder if I'll keep running off the bike in my prep transition now with Gravel. Probably not. It'll probably be more separate runs. So that will be, I think it's possible. You got to plan ahead. <laughs> You gotta know that it's coming. <laughs> well, if I continue to run into the cycling season next year, maybe we can talk and and maybe we could turn it down to like a five k run or something. Yes. We can figure yeah. out. We can get someone who's good with, you know, analysis, and they can figure out okay the percentage of time the road the race is on the bike, and then the percentage of the time the run is, and we could start a new yes. a new uh, a new category at Unbound the the cyclist to run afterwards. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought it'd be cool. I always had this invi- this picture of like you winning unbound and then someone coming up and putting a microphone in your face and you just like lacing up your shoes and like i gotta go for a run like straight away (laughs) um but who knows we'll we'll see if we can make that happen at 10 hours you know 9 10 11 hours on a bike is long enough to then have to think about doing a run afterwards (laughs) i think we should do it though yeah well we'll stay in touch um well heather enjoy the rest of your time out on the island and i know you have a yeah a big transition coming up but at the same time i think it's a it's a world that you already know and a world that you're already looking forward to being a part of um but you've got my number to holler if you have any questions or need any uh tips or tricks and and i'll be sure to let you know when i hopefully make it down to tucson later this year or i guess early next year Yes. No, totally. Thank you so much, Ian. Yeah, I will for sure be hitting you up with lots of questions. Awesome. Well, tell Wadi I say hello. Uh, Enjoy your last day on the island and we'll speak soon. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. Well, there we have it, folks. Another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo. I hope you enjoyed today's show and my conversation with Heather Jackson. I hope you're glad that this podcast is back up and running. Since recording with Heather, I've been thinking about running 
the 10k after Unbound, and it seems a little bit daunting. Usually after 9 or 10 hours of riding through the dirt roads of Emporia, Kansas, I'm ready for a beer and a clean washcloth. But, who knows, maybe in time, maybe Heather and I will give it one more crack to try and uh, be competitive Unbound, but who knows, maybe by 2024 we're ready for a different challenge with a run off the bike. I've never ran off the bike. I've done some running and I've done a lot of biking, but I've never combined the two. And I'm sure it'd be and feel very strange. It's something uh, I've thought about doing, but usually by the time I get back from a bike ride, I don't even think about or want to go for a run. And usually if I go for a run, it's because I'm time crunched and don't have time to go for a bike ride. So we'll leave that for a later date. I hope you all once again enjoyed this show and I'll catch you back here in two weeks for another episode of Breakfast with Boz being served by Wahoo.